Welcome to Good People to Know, a down-to-earth podcast brought to you by WFI, where we talk about the things that matter most to regional Australians. During this series, climate change has come up as a key issue affecting the regions and farmers. In today's episodes, I'll be digging into Australia's emerging carbon economy and what's in it for farmers with Professor David Lamb from the University of New England and the Chief Scientist at Food Agility. Working in precision agriculture for more than 25 years and leading more than 40 industry-funded R&D projects, David really is a good person to know. Hi, Andrew. Uh, it's great to be with you. Yeah, so, David, before we get into this week's topic, are you able to tell our listeners uh, a bit about Food Agility and what, what's your role with the team? Food Agility is a CRC with a somewhat funky name. So we're a cooperative research centre. Um, CRCs are government, industry, university or research organisation partnerships which are formed over a period of time, five years through 10 years, for example, um, to really bring together, like I said, government, industry and researchers to tackle with gnarly challenges of our time. Food Agility, our mandate is around unlocking the power of data and digital to transform Australia's agri-food sector. You talk about the gnarly topics of our time, um, which is times in the first two episodes, David, of our, our podcast series. Um, climate change has, has been a, a key focus of that. And I firstly chatted with IAG's own meteorologist, Dr. Bruce Buckley, and secondly with Fiona Simpson, the president of the National Farmers Federation. And climate change came through as one of the big things during those conversations that poses a real threat and how we mitigate against that and manage that. Um, also, there's opportunities there, I suppose, for farmers. Um, so firstly, David, can you tell us what your research is telling us are the opportunities and risks for Australian farmers as the industry moves into a low-carbon future? Absolutely, Andrew. So, well, across the CRC, we've got about 22 projects currently running. Uh, and in fact, we've got a uh, postgraduate we- workforce of about 62 students. So we've got a lot of projects uh, in play, some of which are concerned with the, with the challenges around sustainability and resilience, with cl- climate change, and of course, um, um, aided and abetted by net zero carbon, for example, as a key sub-focus area. So, um, you know, some of our projects are looking at, for example, um, new ways of quantifying, for example, the carbon in our landscapes um, at scale. And when we're talking scale, we're talking national scale. We're, we're looking closely at, the, at, the, uh, at, at, for example, what can be done on farm and in the supply chain, in the value chain, um, if you like, to reduce the carbon footprint of the operation. And at the same time, we're tackling some of the issues around behavioural change. I mean, at the end of the day, there is opportunities for farmers, as you correctly identify, uh, significant opportunities for farmers and, in fact, our agri-food value chains, the, the many of them. And it really is about getting our workforce and our actors uh, marshalled and, and putting their shoulders to the wheel. Can you talk a little about how your average farmer might actually reduce emissions? Oh, look, absolutely. And farming is a complex and complicated um, system. So, you know, in a, in a single farm, it's not just about, for example, um, um, carbon dioxide belching out of your farm machinery, which is, which is one pathway to reducing emissions. We've also got livestock production systems. We've got emissions associated with fertiliser. And, um, and, of course, we've got the post-farm gate um, dimensions around you know, transportation logistics. So every producer has within their... Their, their reach pathways to reduce their carbon footprint 
Um, some of them require substantial changes. Uh, some require only very small changes. And at the end of the day, that those challenges are no different from any other person out there in in our community. Uh, we all do many things that are that contribute to our carbon footprint, and there are things that we can do to change that. So there's no one silver bullet for producers. It's about looking at your entire system, identify where those emission points are in the system, and then considering how you can do it in a way to maintain the sustainability of your business. That, that's it's really interesting. One of the things that Bruce and Fiona certainly spoke about was carbon sequestration as a massive opportunity for farmers. Can you can you tell us a bit more about what actually carbon sequestration is? And see, sometimes I struggle to say it, don't I? <laughs> Look, it's a it's a it's it's a long word, and 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 ultimately the concept's relatively straightforward. In so far as we're talking about removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and storing it in, in, in a solid or liquid form. In other words, get it out of the gas form and getting it into some other form. Uh, in the context of farming, uh, everyone's focused on, um, you know, getting that carbon into the soil. Um, sorry, or into the soil or stored in material on the soil in, in terms of in some form of biomass. So when we're talking about carbon sequestration from an agri-food production perspective, you, you, we generally hone in on to getting carbon into the soil, into the ground, um, for example, in, in the form of uh, organic matter, uh, root mass, for example, plant growth. And of course, that carries with it the storage of carbon above ground in that woody biomass or that, um, in that plant material above the ground. It's all an important part of it. Is there a difference between what a, what a, what a, a grain farmer might look to, to what actions they might take versus a grazing farmer? Well, at the end of the day, the, 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 the grain producer, our grain producers are working with plants. So, so, so they have an exclusively plant focus uh, over and above, of course, the other emission pathways I mentioned earlier, just machinery, farm machinery, you know, transportation and so forth, and, and post-farm production systems. So, so really what we're talking about from a grains producer is uh, looking carefully at those emission sources associated with grain production. So, you know, for example, fertiliser in, into the soil. And, um, and the judicious, the judicious that's another long word, sorry, uh, management of fertiliser um, has been a, a major part of crop-based agri-tech innovation for, for 30 years uh, in Australia and worldwide. I mean, precision agriculture was, 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 was effectively launched on the back of variable fertiliser management getting the fertiliser in the ground only where it's needed and no more, looking carefully at the, at the, at the leaching of that fertiliser into the, into the water, for example, and also, of course, uh, through the re-emission into the atmosphere. So um, the grains farmers, you know, um, fertiliser, for example, but also machinery use. You know, our machines are getting smarter. Um, the way we work the soil, of course, is getting substantially smarter. We're into, you know, no-till or minimum-till, inter-row sowing, um, um, guided operations that reduce overlap and hence also reduce uh, fuel consumption. And, um, and of course, post-farm gate, we've got all the logistics that carry on that. So with Food Agility, David, what are some of the technologies that, that Food Agility is researching that will ultimately assist farmers with sequestration? The most important starting point when we're looking at carbon, for example, is understanding what we've got and where it is and in what form it is. So um, unsurprisingly, the, the focus on the vegetation, you know, uh, um, as above the ground and also the carbon that's in the ground. So the prime focus of our work to date has really been on developing tools uh, with our industry partners and our industry partners, I might add, Australian industry in general is really leading the world in some of these approaches. 
um, we're talking at, about tools and technologies that enable us to work out where the carbon is in the soil and in what form. Um, at the end of the day, you, you have to go and pull soil cores to measure what the carbon is in the soil. You can't do that at scale over the entire nation. I mean, land is highly variable and any farm has got in a, a multitude of different soil types and, and topographical features. And all these influence the, the store carbon or the ability to store carbon in the soil. So our work is really focusing on the means in which we can identify, stratify our landscapes out into the various zones, be it within a single farm or across regions, catchments, or in, in fact across the whole nation, with a view of, of determining where it is we need to go sample to quantify what those stocks are. And that's the focus of our work. So David, I mentioned in one of our earlier podcasts that I was uh, I'm, I'm a born and bred South Australian, and and you know the the, the goiter line was a uh, developed you know many many years ago determining you know what was uh, sustainable farming land from from as I said a long long time ago. Talking to when I spoke to Bruce Buckley, um, you know I posed the question to Bruce about potentially that line coming closer to the coast over time as climate impacts start to uh, really come through. Um, do you think that some of the practices you've outlined a moment ago will assist farmers in adapting to the new climatic conditions that they they find themselves in now and are facing into? Absolutely, Andrew. And in fact, um, we have to be clear that the ultimate prize here is not just storing carbon in the ground. In fact, the real prize in this whole drive for, for example, carbon sequestration, which is dominating everyone's consciousness at the moment, is more productive and sustainable farming. And, and that includes, for example, resilience in the face of climate change. So um, we, we run a serious risk of creating a perversity in the system where we're simply farming carbon, but actually we're not. We're farming for greater sustainability, um, and that includes environmental sustainability, and also to be able to produce food to meet the ever-increasing demands of us, our human consumers. Um, and in a way that safeguards the ecosystems in which we coexist, cohabit, and, and also um, ensure that we leave the land in better state than we started. That's not necessarily farming carbon. That is, um, but like I said, the pathway to, if you like, sequestering carbon, if you can use that as an example, um, is actually the prize. And that's the things that you do on your farm that puts the soil and the vegetation and the communities associated with vegetation in a better state. We've talked about how farmers can help make your world a safer place by reducing emissions and removing carbon from the atmosphere, but Food Agility also researches the financial benefits of these practices. Can you let us know what approaches are available to farmers to understand the nature of their carbon assets? Well, well okay, so I mentioned earlier, Andrew, that, um, that the soils are, enorm- are intrinsically variable over, over our farmscapes, and so the, the very first step really is to under- understand where to sample. I mean, we can't go peppering the ground with soil cores. It's horrendously expensive. It's it's and it's time and uh, and cost inefficient, and 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 um, creates a lot of CO two in the process. I might add when you drive machinery around. But at the end of the day, uh, we can be smart about where we sample and how we sample. And there are other methodologies. For example, the use of satellite remote sensing um, that can be used to give us an idea where where we need to be sampling. And for example, with one of our partners, Sebo uh, Labs. Um, on one of our big projects involving uh, Australian agricultural company, AECO, uh, which incidentally covers about uh, 1% of Australia's land mass in terms of its farming uh, operations. 
um, we're really turning our attention to those other methods that can assist us to um, efficiently and at scale um, identify where to sample and how to quantify the stocks in the soil. Yeah, thanks, David. And look, I understand that Food Agility is working on developing new approaches to the buying and selling of carbon credits. If there are farmers listening who want to find out more about making their farms more sustainable and potentially open up extra revenue streams, where can they go to find out more? Well, look, it, the first step I recommend is people go to the, you know, the Commonwealth websites associated with, associated with environmental reduction funds. Now, the reason I say go straight to the source, um, the documents actually aren't a difficult, aren't a, um, a hell of a read. Um, it's good to get the very basics of what the requirements are. Um, as a first step to going into the marketplace, there are an increasing number of service providers out there who are willing to undertake the role of effectively creating a, a, um, a, a, an asset list or effectively a register of your assets in terms of carbon on your farm. In other words, do the surveying for you or assist you with your surveying and, um, and get you into a marketplace where you've got something to trade. But like I said earlier, um, if you want to also understand the benefits of, of that, look closely at what, if you like, aspiring to the aim of farming carbon will do for you on your farm. Increasing your organic matter in your soil means that you've got more resilient pastures, for example. You've got greater water storage cap, uh, potential in your soil and you've got more plant available water for the limited rainfalls that you may get. Um, also, the notion that you're promoting a healthy ecosystem in your soil that has ancillary benefits in terms of, for example, if you're in livestock production, again, the health and the diversity of your pastures and, and the ability of them to survive, um, you know, prolonged wet, prolonged dry periods. And the same applies for your crops. So, so what I'm getting at here, Andrew, is that if you like, the revenue streams associated with carbon can and, can and most likely will be way more than the dollar gain by trading the carbon itself. It will be about the productivity increases on your farm and your ability to make more money from livestock. You'll have more animals on your, on your land. You'll be able to farm when otherwise you may not be able to farm. And also you have a way more healthy ecosystem feeding into your farming system. So all that remnant vegetation, scattered woodlands that are associated with, if you like, um, carbon farming, they have profound positive impacts on your cropping system or your livestock system as well. David, that's fantastic, and thank you for, for sharing your thoughts uh, as we've talked about carbon and, and natural capital. To learn more about Food Agility, visit their website at foodagility.com.